Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. What event comes once a year and could change how you see the world around you? The answer? When your vision benefits renew. And now that they have, there's no better time to visit your neighborhood Pearl Vision, where they'll cover your out-of-pocket cost or insurance copay for your eye exam. Schedule your family's eye exams at pearlvision.com. Valid prescription required. Valid at participating locations. Restrictions apply. Taxes extra. See store for details. Ends 4-30-2022. Exams available at the Independent Doctors of Optometry at or next to Pearl Vision. Some doctors employed by Pearl Vision. For my small bookstore to thrive, I can't just sell books. So I created a radio ad at iHeartAdBuilder.com to tell everyone about our author events, our story hours for kids, and our amazing lattes. Now we're busier than ever. I'd call that a success story. A custom radio ad from iHeartAdBuilder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com. Ellie Kemper is apologizing for participating in that debutante ball. Chris Harrison is officially out as the host of the Bachelor franchise. And hugs are making a comeback, but is that a good thing? We're talking about it with Estelle Tang. It's June 8th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shyla Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Okay, so Casey, I like to think of myself as someone who's, you know, in the know, but I genuinely had no idea that this movie was being made. But apparently they're making a movie about the Weinstein investigation called She Said, and Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan have just signed on to play two of the New York Times reporters who broke the original story. I This kind of reminds me of Bombshell, the movie that came out recently, like in 2019. And I mean, like, this is a movie I will probably watch, but it's just kind of weird to me that, like, it's about a moment in history that I was alive for. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, this yes, is like I'm, four I'm years you. ago. <laughs> you know, I, I hadn't heard about this movie either, but I'm excited. Actually, my first thought was I hope that this movie empowers other women to come forward and speak up about other injustices in their workplaces. You know, specifically Hollywood too, because we have not, we yes. have not even be begun <laughs> to see what's like under that rug. It's like an iceberg, yep. you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So moving on, we're talking about the latest news about Ellie Kemper. The unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and office star has officially apologized for her controversial involvement in a debutante ball as a teenager. Last week, she came under fire when photos surfaced of her attending a 1999 Missouri ball where she was crowned the queen of love and beauty. So it caused a huge online controversy since the ball has had a long history of ties to white supremacy. Known then as the Veiled Prophet Ball, it was co-founded by wealthy white elites and a former Confederate officer in 1878. The group also excluded black and Jewish people until 1979. 
Kemper finally addressed her involvement in an Instagram post on Monday saying, quote, the century-old organization that hosted the debutante ball had an unquestionably racist, sexist, and elitist past. I was not aware of this history at the time, but ignorance is no excuse. I was old enough to have educated myself before getting involved. I want to apologize to the people I've disappointed, and I promise that moving forward, I will listen, continue to educate myself, and use my privilege in support of the better society I think we're capable of becoming. Kemper's Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt co-star, Titus Burgess, responded to her post saying, quote, I love my Ellie. Oh, NPS? Next time, just ask me and I'll tell you what to do. Okay, so the thing that really stands out to me is in her apology where she says, I was old enough to have educated myself before getting involved. You know, I... I mean, obviously, like, this entire thing was just not great. Um, but I kind of feel for her because she was a teenager. This is probably just something that her parents roped her into doing that everyone else had done before her. And I know that when I was, like, 15 or 16 years old, I was just doing what was expected of me. And, you know, I don't think that she joined with any intent or malice against anyone. Um, and I really applaud her for coming forward and, and speaking up about this after people called her out. I do hate that it took people to call her out. Like, you know, I kind of imagine like if you're a celebrity, I feel like you should tell your publicist every single thing you've ever been involved in. And it would have been smarter to have this, like have her come out and acknowledge that she had done this before she was called out because now it seems very reactionary, you know, but I don't really have a problem with Ellie. I more just have a problem with knowing that this ball exists uh-huh. and is a thing. I, I do. I do think an important takeaway from all of this is that I do hope that a lot of white people kind of just look around them and see at all the things that they think are just like normal and see like how they're rooted in racism, you know? <laughs> yep. I completely agree. And this is stuff that's been going on for decades, you know, and that people just say is tradition. So I really do hope, like you said, people start taking a closer look at them. Okay, so moving on, just a day after the premiere of the new Bachelorette season, it's been announced that Chris Harrison, longtime host of the franchise, is permanently leaving the show, but like for real this time. In a report from Deadline that dropped this morning, it was revealed that Harrison took an eight-figure payout in exchange for keeping quiet about the show's, quote, dirty laundry. In case you forgot, back in February, racist photos and social media posts from Rachel Kirkconnell, the eventual winner of season 25, surfaced on the internet and sparked major backlash amongst fans and other contestants. In the aftermath of the controversy, the now-former host said he was temporarily leaving the show. Then in March, Harrison clarified to Good Morning America that he wanted to return saying, quote, I plan to be back and I want to be back. Yet here we are. Oh, Shyla. <laughs> I, I don't even watch the show when I have feelings. Oh, OK. So a little background. I did watch the premiere last night. It was amazing. It was the first time my bachelor group was together in a room in a year and a half. Oh, yes. Fun. Some of us almost cried. Anyway, oh, man. what was interesting was that two former bachelorettes co-hosted the show and it actually was really cute and they did really well. You know, I- I'm going to be honest. I didn't miss Chris Harrison. So then it was interesting to wake up this morning, love the timing of it, and saying he's officially not coming back. Uh, you know, uh, Shyla, eight figures is a lot for someone who defended racism. <laughs> yeah, that's not. <laughs> why are we paying people for that? No. <laughs> but then, like, I just want to know, like, I almost wish he hadn't taken the deal. And that because, like, had he written a book? like spilling all the tea, I'm sure he still would have gotten money, launched the next phase of his career. And then we could know what the hell is going on behind the scenes. Like, I don't even, I want to show about The Bachelorette, not even The Bachelorette. Okay. Okay. Well, Shiloh, we basically have that. It's called Unreal. 
okay, yes, that's true. That, <laughs> is that still on? That's true. <laughs> It, 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 that's uh, based in a lot of real life situations. But yeah, I mean, this is just, this is a wild thing. I can't believe he's actually stepping away. But I mean, I guess if you're getting that much money, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's been a long pandemic. You might literally be ready to embrace the world, or maybe the thought of touching another human seems unthinkable. Whatever the case, we're all going to have to learn some new rules when it comes to human contact. Among the most complicated, Hugging. To talk about the controversial return of hugs, we're chatting with BuzzFeed senior culture editor, Estelle Tang. She wrote the piece, Stay the fuck away from me. Not everyone is excited about hugs making a comeback. Hi, Estelle. Hi, how are you? Good. Thanks for being here. So first, how are you handling the idea of human contact at this point in the pandemic? Are you comfortable with the thought of hugging? So it might not surprise you to know that it has been a really difficult topic for me. I wrote like 2,500 words about how it's been really (laughs) challenging. I live in New York City and so positivity rates are kind of dipping below 2%. The rates have been really good. And, you know, as the vaccine rolls out, more and more people are starting to hug and handshake. And I just got really surprised. One week, I remember I saw a bunch of people I hadn't seen in a while and they all hugged me. And I was like, what's going on? (laughs) Um, You know, after about a year of being isolated in my house and not seeing people and not touching people, and particularly, I think, really negotiating what my boundaries are and everybody around me doing the same, I was really surprised. So, you know, you reached out to BuzzFeed readers to get a sense of how they're feeling about the hug question. Overall, is it fair to say not everyone is embracing the idea? Like what kinds of concerns are you hearing about? I would say that people are pretty split. There are a lot of people who, of course, you know, again, after that year of being isolated or not seeing loved ones are really excited to hug again. Like they just can't wait to get out there and hug their friends and family and have that like physical touch, which is really important to us as human beings. But there were a significant number of people too, who are like me, not sure about getting back into it. And for lots of different reasons, there are a few people who responded I just have never really been into hugs and they are a default greeting, you know, in the United States, not around the world, actually hugs are not that common, you know, in other countries, especially not parts of Asia. It's much more common in North and South America and Europe, but some people just said, yeah, uh, I've really enjoyed not having to do that with every single person I see sometimes at work, sometimes in social situations, sometimes on like first dates when I don't even know the person, you know, I think it's given everyone a really good opportunity to think about what their boundaries are and what they do enjoy in terms of physical touch. And then there was another, I want to say, group of people who said that hugs and other kinds of physical touch were challenging for them because of other reasons. Um, I think when I first put out the call out on BuzzFeed News, one woman commented that she had been pregnant and she was really overexposed to touch. She was really exhausted um, for all all the sensory um, kind of input she was getting from having had a baby. And we had another respondent who I'll just quote here because he said, I have autism and this means I don't like being close to people. And he had said that the virus had made him more scared to hug people and more cautious in interacting with people. So there are a lot of reasons, a lot of different reasons why people do or don't like hugs. And I think it's a good opportunity for us all to think about, um, you know, asking for permission or checking in with people to see what they're comfortable with. 
And yeah, and I mean, another like, I guess, form of touch in addition to hugging is handshaking. And I just want to share a quick story. Um, Someone recently moved into my building and I went to introduce myself and I immediately stuck out of my like stuck out my hand just as a reflex, you know, and then she reached her hand out. But then I pulled my hand away before she could shake my hand. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And she was like, why are you sorry? And I was like, I don't know. Is this allowed? It's very <laughs> awkward. Um, and I just don't know the rules anymore. But that being said, handshaking is kind of like the office version of hugging. So as people start heading back into the office, do you think that this is going to change things at work? Yeah. So I spoke to a woman called Micah Maya, who is the founder of an etiquette company called Beaumont Etiquette. And she has been consulting actually with companies on this exact topic. A lot of companies whether they are American and deal mostly with American kind of clients or if they're American and deal with global clients or elsewhere, a lot of people want to know what to do, exactly like you said. I was like, oh, everyone kind of is hesitant to kind of forge ahead because, you know, in a business deal, if you make somebody uncomfortable accidentally without checking, people are worried like, oh, is that going to um, screw up a business deal? Like, is this relationship going to go down the drain because I did the wrong thing? So, yeah, it is a huge topic of conversation. And Micah actually said something that I had been echoing earlier, which is that simply it's best to check with people if you're not sure what they're into. But, you know, it is the kind of thing that is important for us to talk about with our communities, whether it's social or professional. If you're not hearing that conversation happening in your workplace, it's like, maybe it's like, Hey, what do you guys think about this? I don't know. Um, you know, uh, even if the guideline is just to say, let's check, that's better than nothing, I think. You know, besides asking, you know, someone just point blank, are you okay with this? Did uh, the expert have any other advice on how to figure this all out socially? Yeah, so she obviously suggested that we can ask. One thing she suggested that she had told a private client of hers, so not a corporate client, who was worried about going on a date with somebody and not being able to kind of express to a stranger straight away, like, oh, I don't like hugs without feeling, you know, weird about it. I kind of joked that I was feeling like the Grinch telling people in real life <laughs> that I wasn't quite ready for a hug. You know, no one wants to be the person who says like, oh, not ready for hugs yet. Sorry. <laughs> but she suggested, you know, even communicating ahead of time via text message can be simple and casual. And she also has these two kind of what she calls nonverbal methods, which are called the stop, drop, and nod, and the grasp and greet. And I won't try to, ex I won't try to <laughs> verbally explain them because they're very, like, they're very visual. But essentially, I would say that they both involve really acknowledging the other person with eye contact and kind of, you know, some kind of hand signal wave, and then just kind of emphasizing that you can see them and that they're there, and also emphasizing that you're not going to come forward into a hug. Mm -hmm. Well, we've got lots more to discuss. We'll be right back. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. 
Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hi, everybody. I'm Rachel Bonetta, and I have my very own podcast called Benched with Bonetta. You kidding me? Woo! I'm just here so I won't get fined. You may know me from Game Day View or Game Day Morning on NFL Network. Basically, any shows with the word game in it, odds are you'll find me there. Every week, I'm going to be talking about all the things I find fascinating about the NFL, like breaking down games, questioning Tom Brady's genetic makeup. It's going to be great. I'm also doing something that has never been done before. I'm opening my DMs. DMs now open. We want to hear from you, fans of the NFL. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Did you commit a misdemeanor crime when you were 12 and need to tell somebody about it? Please, for the love of Roger Goodell, do not tell me. I can be held accountable. Listen every Tuesday and join me on the bench. Subscribe now and listen to the Benched with Bonetta podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Estelle Tang about the return of hugging. Now, this hug comeback opens up a broader question like how we even adopted the practice in the first place. So what's the story behind how hugging became a social behavior? Yes. So this was an interesting one because I think (laughs) hugging is one of those things that I don't think we actually know where it came from. So I spoke to a scientist, um, Sebastian Ocklenberg, who kind of pointed me to this 6,000 year old photo of two people kind of buried together in a lover's embrace. So he said, it's the kind of thing that has probably been around for as long as there've been human beings, but we just don't really know. And as I said, it's a kind of practice and greeting that isn't really universal. It is really common, for example, in the United States and in Europe and in South America and Australia, where I'm from also, it was really common for my social circle to hug, you know, um, and kiss goodbye. So it is one of those really interesting things. And he also said it's strangely under-researched. And while there are plenty of studies about what the benefits are, they're actually physical benefits to hugging. So um, I think it's like it reduces the risk of you catching a cold once you're exposed to the virus. It can reduce blood pressure, it can improve your mood, and it can relieve stress. So there actually are huge benefits to it. He says it's something that there actually isn't a lot of research on. And then what about like the latest science in terms of the pandemic? Like what's the current guidance about the actual risk of hugging these days? How safe is it at this point of the pandemic? Yeah. So, uh, you know, with a full proviso, I'm not a doctor. I'm merely a person who was curious about this question. That was one of the first things that I looked into when I started feeling, you know, a little bit anxious about this return of hugs because I was like, oh, why am I feeling anxious? Do I actually think it's not safe or is it safe? So when I looked into it, um, you know, obviously the CDC doesn't say hugging is fine, folks. Um, but, but the CDC does have some advice about fully vaccinated people. And it basically says fully vaccinated people have a reduced risk of transmitting the coronavirus to unvaccinated people. So I would say that in my research, I found some experts, some doctors who said, 
the risk is minimal enough to weigh the potential happiness and joy and kind of social effects of having a hug with um, the minimal risk of transmitting the virus between vaccinated people. However, I think there are definitely people who are still saying like, if there's two people who are unvaccinated who want a hug, that's still probably not the safest behavior. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of just touched on this, but it really seems like people want to hug. We're just stressed out about it. Um, you spoke with a psychotherapist, Hillary Jacobs Hendel, about how we can work through these feelings. What was her advice to, you know, help us get through that hug anxiety? Yeah. So this is very classic um, psychotherapist. It's like a scene <laughs> from a movie. She was so good. Um, you know, she was in Big Sur on vacation and I could hear the birds and her voice was so <laughs> soothing. Um, <laughs> I was like, thank you, Hillary. But she actually, you know, I was barreling into all these questions I had. I was like, why am I so stressed about hugs? Like, are hugs okay? And she said, I'd just really like you to sit there and be still for a minute and tell me about <laughs> what you're feeling. And I was like, <gasps> I was like, mom. Um, and she kind of explained to me that there is an emotional triangle that she uses called the change triangle. I won't go into it too much. But she said that the anxiety I was feeling was probably blocking other emotions. And I said, <laughs> okay, uh, do I have to pay you for this? <laughs> uh, and I kind of took her advice and I realized there were a few underlying core emotions there, which is what she calls them. One was fear, obviously the fear factor that we've alluded to. We're all really worried about passing the virus on to others, catching it and being sick. And that's a habit that we've all developed over the past year and a bit. And then I realized also there was a little bit of anger, which surprised me. Maybe it shouldn't have, but I think I was feeling some anger about the fact that people hadn't checked in with me about whether I felt comfortable about it or not. You know, and this is not, I did get a few text messages from friends who were like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, it's not really about individual people who have done this. And I really want to stress that I'm not really mad at anyone and I don't think anyone should be like shamed for hugging. I think it is a really wonderful part of how we communicate with each other. But I think it just gave me the sense that I needed to be communicating more and asking more questions and telling people what I was okay with. And then the really surprising thing at the end, once I kind of got to the end of this journey was that I realized I kind of was excited to hug people. I thought, Oh, it is something I've really missed. You know, I've really missed hugging my friends and family. And once I feel safe, or if I know that I'm in a relatively safe and minimally risky situation, it is something that I want to do. So yeah, that was, it was a lot, but it was really interesting. Well, that sounds really interesting. I'm going to have to try some of those tips myself. I totally think that communicating is the right way to go. Um, but thank you so much, Estelle, for joining us today. That was great. It's a real pleasure. I'll see you later. All right. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, if you're not ready to embrace hugging yet, a lot of people feel the same. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed coming to you daily. Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. 
Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Give us your attention. We need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations. We be the endless podcast. Tune in every Thursday. Politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And, and break us off with some bread because we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog. Cat. Giraffe. Giraffe, really? Giraffe. Uh, giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.